very happy to be here with you in this beautiful church here, this beautiful new campus. On this feast day of St. Thomas, the church sets before us readings from the Book of Wisdom, as well as from passages in the Gospel, precisely about wisdom. Very important in themselves. It takes my mind back to what we know about the canonization of St. Thomas. Maybe you know this story, but it's good to rehearse it. That when there was a movement afoot, understandably, among the Dominicans to see this great master of theirs canonized, they were deeply enthusiastic, but they had to deal with great deal of suspicion. In the medieval university world, in medieval theology, there was not complete agreement. There was, in fact, deep worry about Master Thomas, precisely because he had dipped so deeply into the well of pagan thinkers like Aristotle, who had been suspect for generations. The mainstream of the university community had an Augustinian theology. There were many disagreements, many fights. I must admit, as I've come to understand St. Thomas, he was wise in the ways of politics as well as wise in the ways of God. But nonetheless, there was great opposition. And so the Dominicans who sought to have him canonized were doing so at about the same time that Francis was being canonized. And with Francis, there was a tremendous amount of delight in all of his comings and goings, in all of his wildest doings. It aroused the enthusiasm and the imagination of everyone. But the iconography that was used as they were urging the Pope and persuading the Church for his canonization, the iconography is all of a piece for Thomas. It shows no unusual deeds. It shows no extraordinary adventures. All of the iconography is in the form of consequence holding one or another of the books of wisdom. He's always seated in a magistral chair, and he is always in the posture of Our Lady seated wisdom, not only because he loved her, but because in that posture, an immediately recognizable symbol, what we had was a magisterial teaching, Blessed Mother's teaching, holding her son, and that the son is the word of God, whom she gave to the world. The Dominican iconography of Thomas shows him in her posture, holding either the book of Sirach or the book of Mindful of one of the great themes of Thomas, that it is the mark of the wise to set forth order, much as he did in his theology, much as he did in some very practical ways in service of King Louis, 
It is the manner of the wise man to set forth things in proper order. The church honors this in the readings that are chosen, particularly the passage this morning, which is from the Book of Wisdom. Perhaps you've had the chance to read and study it very much worth the time. It has three parts, all of them set in the persona of King Solomon, who had lived a thousand years before. Set in the mouth of Solomon, who is so much the embodiment of wisdom, not only from the story of how to deal with two women complaining that one of their babies was dead and one of their babies were living, and both wanted the living child. And so Solomon wisely devised a test that ascertained whose child it was. Many other instances of wisdom. And so he's taken as a very simple In the book, The Wisdom of Solomon, from which this comes, the first five chapters are a wonderful account, one of the earliest in the Old Testament, late the book as it is, one of the earliest portrayals of immortality of the soul. For it shows a group of Jews who were martyrs for Torah observers. And then suddenly wake up after their death, and they who had been persecuted are now the judges of those who were their persecutors. The second part, again, the voice of Solomon, is a conversation he has with his fellow kings of the earth. And they are asking, how did you get the wisdom for which you are so well known? And he explains that it was not simply by natural endowment, not simply by T.A.C. hard work, but that he came by way of prayer, that he prayed for wisdom, and it was given to him. And then he proceeds to teach them how to pray, by describing the attributes of wisdom, recapitulating earlier efforts in that in Proverbs and in Syrah. But he shows them how to pray for it. And then the last half, chapter 11 to chapter 19, he shows how God's providential wisdom has saved the people. It's sort of in every man's reading of the whole not mentioning most of the names, but showing how divine providence was at work in every generation. The part we have here, chosen especially Thomas, is his prayer, his explanation. I prayed, and prudence was given me. I pleaded, and the spirit of wisdom came to me. I preferred her to scepter and throne, and deemed riches in comparison nothing nor did I like liken any precious gem to her. It's not an excuse for not having given the work he needed to do, but simply a profession of his faith in thanksgiving that he had needed divine guidance and help. And then he proceeds at great length, part of which we have here, the description of wisdom. I chose to have her rather than the light because the splendor of her never yields to sleep. Now God 
suitable and value these endowments at their word. For he is the guide of wisdom and the director of the wise. Both we and our words are in his hand, as well as truths and knowledge of practice. It is an invitation, I think, through the scriptures on this feast he comes to do as he did, not only to work as hard as we can, but especially to pray for the wisdom to see it aright, and especially the wisdom to use it well, to use it in the service of God's people, to use it in the service of our country, to use it in the service of those where God puts us, even as Thomas used it in very diverse circumstances in his life, speculative and theoretical, deeply practical, where deep prudence was needed. But that he had the trouble, not simply out of confidence in his own abilities, but rather was able to do it with confidence, because he knew of the grace that was in sorted. And we'd be well to pray for that for ourselves.